You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. to the business of cannabis, and welcome to the more than 100,000 listeners who join us every week. I am Dave Sky. Uh, this week, unfortunately, I won't be uh, joined by my usual sidekick, uh, Matt Cook. Um, but what's business all about other than dealing with issues and soldiering on? So I shall try to do just that. Uh, as always, I'd like to uh, start by stating uh, the mission of the show, uh, bring you the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines the latest in cannabis brands, uh, services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing, to put it bluntly, a hard look at the hard realities of making money in the cannabis industry. Now, today I thought we'd be interesting to bring you two people operating at, um, perhaps the best way to say it, the polar opposites of the cannabis space. Kyle Kazan is co-founder and CEO of Glass House Brands, a vertically integrated player in California. And they just opened what is possibly the largest cannabis greenhouse in the world. So this is big business, big money, public company, lawyers, departments, HR. This is conquer the world stuff. Con- contrast that with Daniel Walton and Adrian Jones of Next Level. Two very experienced cannabis players in their own right. And they spent uh, most of their time prior to opening Next Level uh, in the dispensary arena. Next Level is a delivery company focused exclusively on the Bay Area in California. Now, they're interesting for several reasons. First, they're women-led and mostly women-staffed organization, which is cool. They are looking to expand into hash-centered products because they see a great business opportunity for growth there, particularly a way to bring hash to women. Uh, Right now, it's uh, more of a male-dominated category. And finally, they're very interesting people in their own right. And I know they they have a, a very unique perspective on cannabis. And, and, and how cannabis industry works. They're very definitely on the cannabis front line, so they're living the uh, business of cannabis mission, in other words. Oh, that's our show for today. I'm looking forward to talking to these people. I'm Dave Skye, and this is the business of cannabis. <music> And welcome back to the business of cannabis, Dave's guy, Matt Cook. And we're going to talk to Kyle Kazan of uh, Glasshouse Brands. Uh, now, Kyle's battling hard for the 2022 Business of Cannabis Most Interesting Resume Award, uh, not only because he's co-founder and chairman and CEO of this successful cannabis producer, brand operator. It's cool enough. They do lots of stuff. We'll get into that. He claims to be a Scottish lord. We'll, we're not, we'll leave it at that. We'll take him at his word. More interesting also used to be a police officer and one who advocated for the ending the war on drugs. 
So that deserves a shout out. Got into investing, had a successful career there. Uh, and that investing uh, pivoted into, um, into the cannabis uh, space when California uh, became a legal market. A frequent uh, speaker, guest professor at NYU Stern School of Business, Marshall uh, Business School at USC, uh, UCLA, he speaks there. I graduated University of Southern California where he played varsity ball for a, a Hall of Fame coach, uh, George Graveling. Uh, launched Glasshouse as a private equity play, an investing uh, play, uh, which morphed into cultivation and retail. Now fast forward, Glasshouse Brands is a major Cali grower uh, since they launched a 5.5 million square foot greenhouse, which may be the largest in the US or the world. I need more research to confirm this, but uh, I didn't find one bigger. Um, a Glasshouse also has several brands on the market. Uh, they produce flower pre-rolls, infused pre-rolls. Uh, they recently uh, bought uh, the Plus Edibles brand. They have four retail locations, three more being built and more coming. So a tremendous amount of action. I don't know where he found the time to talk to us, but we're glad he did. Welcome to the show. Thank you, David. It's an honor to, to be with you guys. Um, yeah, I'm listening to that resume and I'm going, God, yeah, who is that guy? That guy must be old. Yeah. <laughs> or he that's must what I was, not sleep. That, that's what yeah. I was thinking of as I was reading it. <laughs> yes. Um, no, let, let's let's start at the top then. Glasshouse Brands obviously does a lot um, with cultivation of brands and so on. Take us through the overall structure of the business, how it all ties together, um, and where the synergies are from your perspective. Sure. So I, I, I typically wear two hats. One is an investor hat. One is an operator hat. So I've, it just depends on what I'm, I'm looking at doing. So in my, in my career, what I used to do and when I was a school teacher and then when I was a police officer, it was I didn't have a lot of money. You know, they don't, they don't pay our public service workers lots and lots of cash. Uh, so I would try and find the worst situation I could find, get as an investor, underwrite it, get in there and... Uh, get the best deal I possibly could and then put my operator hat on and say, okay, now how am I going to clean this from where it is now, which is A, and get it to Z, which is where now I can, the whole goal was to increase my cash on cash return, increase the value so I could refinance it, and then boom, take money out, rinse, repeat. And so you had to do well on both. And I, and I firmly believe, and I'm going to answer your question by saying, as an investor, you make your money on the buy. If you don't, if you're not disciplined and you don't get it right on the buy, walk away, mm -hmm. walk away. Right. Because that's the only way to set up your operating hat to do well. Because if you didn't, and, I, and I've been there with, with uh, helping other people with their investments where it's like, I can't save it. The market has turned, you didn't right. buy it right. And even the best, yeah. the best operating hat better to just realize it's a loss. And so you're behind the eight ball and, and yeah. you're wasting your time. Right. So, um, you know, I, I've so far, knock on wood, I've never had a private equity investment all the way back to when I started in 1996. I've never lost money. Now, have we lost money in the first two years as part of the, re, you know, turn around? Sure. But um, so I have a very, um, I have a happy group of high net worth individuals that have followed me into, you know, during the financial crisis, we got into um, pecan farms in Southern Georgia. And the letter was first thing to know, I'm not a farmer. Now, let me tell you about this crazy new investment. 
and we, we oversold it in a few hours from an email. So I have this. And so then when it came to cannabis, you should have seen the first letter I wrote in 15 or 16, which was basically, you should not do this deal. Now, let me tell you about it. Yeah. And we went ahead and raised money because we got into 150,000 square feet of cultivation, which I thought was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. And right. then, and one store in Santa Ana, which is Orange County, California. And that was the, fir the first two private equity. The whole point was, I think in a capital um, deprived market or during a capital, probably the biggest capital dislocation of my life, you can buy these two, you can invest in these. And I think we're going to do really well. And, um, you know, that's where, that's where Glasshouse started with uh, the private equity fund was called um, APP, anti-prohibition something I, I, and LLC. And we raised right. a bunch of money and, and, and off we went and here we are. So you, you recently began operating in your, in your big five and a half million square foot greenhouse. Yes. Uh, walk us through kind of the strategy behind us and, and, you know, why just California when it seems like, you know, there's lots of places you can go and yep. uh, yeah, just walk us through that. So Matt, um, from that first private equity investment, we did, we did three more. Okay. Um, so then now we were, and, and Graham Farrar was one of my original people that I met on the operating side. He became my co-founder. Um, and my partner, and he's still, he's the president, he's on the board, um, and he's up in Santa Barbara and really made the grows what they are, which, which, which helped us. We then decided to roll all those private equity into one company. That was a whole, you know, cook, cooking endeavor. And then we saw the farm you just asked me about, which is five and a half million square feet. Um, the reason we liked it, and, and mind you, everybody... All, all sophisticated investors who've done their research say, didn't people do this in Canada before? Like, didn't they do big grows and didn't they like crash at the end of the runway? Right. Now you, and now you, you're doing this. And so I just want to deal with that head on. We saw this farm in October of 2018, first time we walked it. And we'd never seen anything like it. And by that point, we, were, we had our 150,000 square foot grow going. We, we were building out and getting our 355,000 square foot growth. So total, we had about half a million in Santa Barbara. Then we come to this, which is 11 times bigger than, than those two um, combined. And what we found was, we said, whoever gets this will win. Like this is, this is, this is boardwalk on the monopoly board. Like this, right. and, and part of the reason was, they had been growing successfully at scale at a 5% margin because that's where ultimately, that's where this is heading is, this is gonna be a commodity with brands and retail, but we're still in the early days. Right. And so then it was, how do you buy that? And at the time, uh, the gentleman that owned it was having difficulties loan, wanted 250 million. And we're like, I don't know if that's a good price or a bad price. I can tell you what we ended up buying it for, me being, you know, following up on my point, we bought it for $93 million in cash and then stock to the option holder. So all in, we were below replacement cost of hmm. just the improvements. Wow. Because when, that's from the insurance company, because I believe in the bean counters of the insurance company, they're yep. usually pretty darn good. They had this worth uh, about 240, 250 million, not licensed, not just replacement. 
And so we were well under that. And that's not, I think it's like 166 acres. That's valuing that at zero, which obviously that's worth something. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but it also has cogeneration, um, which means that we, we through uh, natural gas, uh, cogeneration makes electricity and also through solar, um, it generates 14 megawatts of electricity or enough electricity for 3,000 homes just right here. So it's a little city. Wow. And by the way, it was all built out. The option holder built it, was successful with a different crop, and is one of those Dutch farmers that just, and he has patents. We so go runs around the world. I'm going, okay, uh, putting my operating hat, we buy it right, which we did. Now it's like, all right, I've got an amazing cannabis team that's great with strains, and they've done stuff on a on, on lesser farms, which I really care about and like, but this is superior. And now if I meld together, if I'm looking at my risks, okay, we have someone who knows how to how to fully use 5.5 million square feet. That's daunting. When you guys visit, you're going to go holy mackerel. That sounds like Matt. Yeah. Trying to keep it G-rated. Um, but yeah. at, the end, at the end of the day, um, to us, it was a no-brainer. And I was, and then later I read a book that I highly recommend anybody who's investing in cannabis. It's called Americana, 400 Years of American Capitalism. And it talks about all the new industries and how they, what they did. And so when you're going to say to me, Kyle, why did you focus on vertical integration? If you read that book, you'll see, um, you have to, you have to find your risks. And sometimes the best thing is just to control it. So for us, cogs, 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 how do you get right. to the lowest price of production for the highest quality? Like you, highest quality for lowest cost, that wins every time. Mm -hmm. And right now, the, right now in California, when you said, why only California, when, you know, if you're in Pennsylvania or, hey, if you had a New Jersey license, people are, you know, that's really good for them. I would tell you that limited license is typically only temporary and all states are going to go through this. And at some point, the country is going to go through this. Right. And there is 50% of fruits and vegetables consumed in America are grown here in California. Yeah. That's the weather. And right. also that we have a supply chain of labor. We're close to the border with Mexico and Central South America. So there's, there's a lot that California really has. And then to boot, we're the home of cannabis in many people's minds. And, and That's true. to prove that to you, next time you're in New York City, go to one of the bodegas, talk to them, talk them up. And then when they finally tell you their little illegal menu, see what's the number one price. Highest price will be something that they claim is from California. So sure. the, the market shows that. So to us, the only way we were able to buy this was by going through a SPAC. An IPO wouldn't have gotten us the cash. It had to be a SPAC. And Mercer Park, John Sandelman, who's a chairman and CEO of, of AIR, AYR, um, they, they were looking for a partner. We were looking to find a way to do this. And um, so we went public. We ended up buying this. And uh, we released, we got licensed on March 10th. We had plants in it March 11th. And, um, you know, like, like everybody out there, our margins right now are terrible. The margins of everybody in California is terrible. These pricing, it's destructive and it's going to put a lot of people on the side of the road. Right. For us, once we, get, once we get our grows really focused here and we're, we're targeting by the end of the year, we have a path depending on some different variables that gets us to cash flow positive. We're calling it the first quarter of next year. So 
That to me puts me into all the other businesses I've ever grown. I'm used to making money because it takes away some of the danger. And, and this right. farm is part and parcel to that strategy. We are talking to Kyle Kazan, who's co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Glasshouse Brands, um, uh, and getting sort of a masterclass in investing uh, and risk and mitigating risk and seeing opportunities. So I, that, that leads to this, uh, I, I know you, you sort of, you have a grow side, you also have, you sell what you grow. <laughs> in a sense, and you have your own brands. Before I jump to that product brand piece, which we're going to in a second, is there a priority over the next few years? Do you see in, at, in from your vertical integration piece, it's really that grow I've got to focus on for now. The, grant, the brand, uh, the product piece, yeah, that's going to come. The retail piece, that'll come, but I've got to deal with it. Or do you see them as an equal uh, stage where they have to grow together? Yeah, that's a great question. That one, I, I actually have not ever been asked uh, in these many interviews. Um, God, I, I think the, the way I would look at it is each time we expand our grow, it surpasses the amount of cannabis that we use in our brands because we're always looking at kind of throwing the ball upfield. Um, so depending on the vertical and, and my C-suite, all the verticals fall under somebody in the C-suite that, that, that report to me. We talk all the time. So Graham, you know, one of my co-founders and also the other officer on the board, he focuses quite a bit on cultivation. Um, that, and that's, that's where we're overweighted probably of, of anything today. Um, I would tell you that we want to, we want to, I would rather partner with some brands that want to be close to Los Angeles that also want to take advantage of the cogs and can then get close to the plant. Too often the brands are having to almost like white label and, and go source. Um, here, the consumer that we found uh, from the brands that sell in our stores and, and watching headset BDS and ass trees, there, there's an authenticity. The person like Cookies, Burner really built that by being close to the plant, by smoking it, naming it, that kind of thing. And so that's an opportunity that we can help bring. And I think, you know, ultimately, we'd love to see all of our flour get into our CPG. And I think the way I would look at that CPG being consumer product goods or our brands, that's going to take quite a bit of time for that to happen. And I don't see... I don't see our, our ability to, to sell out of state happening anytime soon. So my thought would be during this time, let's partner with some brands up there. And so we're having those conversations so that they themselves can kind of not own a piece, but, you know, we'll help grow them. Right. Participate and, in the success of the, what absolutely. you've got. Yeah. In, in, in a sense, participate in this buy of yours. You, you had For a good sure. buy. Let's all participate in it. Hundred mm -hmm. percent, and we want to, yeah. And then as as we're going to need more of our own cannabis for our own brands, the way we look at it is the market by that point should really be commoditizing, where the supply chain will be a lot easier. So it'll help us bridge to that point. It will help them bridge to that point, and we think we can help some brands win. And then so what? So for our CPG and our grow, that's that, and our wholesale that sort of aligns there, and then. Our retail, I, we look at those as the best way to find out what the consumer is thinking what, and what they're actually buying. 
and we can try new things. And remember, we, all the data we collect, you know, you give us your driver's license, we swipe it. We now know where you live. We know your gender. We know your, your age. We know, so we can start really diving in to see who are we resonating with? You know, Bella Thorne typically resonates with younger people. She, you know, she and her Forbidden Flowers brand. So, but we can verify, is that who she's resonating to? And that also helps our marketing team know who we're talking to. So, um, and the we main also driver see- behind your, Is that the main driver behind your retail strategy? Um, at to first it was just, just making sure we could get on retail shelves. I wanna make sure we're clear. The Glasshouse Brands has a brand called Glasshouse Farms. Right. You'll never see on the sign of our retail ever say anything about Glasshouse. Okay. We want our consumers to come and get the cannabis they want. Um, yes, we do track how much we sell. We also track how much Papa and Barkley sells. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and we want to make sure if you guys come in, you know, you'll have our competitors on there. It's not just Glasshouse. So, um, and, and so because of that, we work very well with a lot of the other brands and, and they don't feel threatened, nor do the other stores, because they know we're not trying to take, take them to our stores. That is not at all in, in our calculus whatsoever. Right. So, but yes, um, I think I would tell you, we want to make sure we're making good revenue at these stores, but getting the, um, you know, getting that data and having the access to the consumer. And remember, we, we deliver. So we go from the seed literally to the, um, to the ashtray. Right. So tell me, well, add, keep adding to that. You, you made this investment into um, edibles now, yes. which is obviously a, it's a fairly, I wouldn't say risky, but interesting strategic decision considering all the, you know, the eighth jars and the pre-rolls and, and all the other stuff you have. Yeah. Why, why did you decide to do that now? And where so, do you think that's going to go vis-a-vis -vis some of the... So maybe that's a good question. And I would tell you the largest uh, category of sales in cannabis is flour. And I sort of look at flour and pre-rolls as the same uh, because it's flour and you're, you're ingesting it via smoking typically. The next one would be edibles. And so we had our eye on the edibles. And, and so let me kind of pose to you like my thinking. I just watched um, uh, Wana Brands get purchased uh, by Canopy mm -hmm. through that kind of option thing. And I want to say it was $300 million. Okay. Now I think Wana, uh, it's a woman in, in uh, Colorado that found, I think she's done a heck of a job. They don't do a huge amount here in California, but I was aware of their brand. And I saw the $300 million price tag and I saw the rough numbers and I was like, well, that seems expensive. And then I look and I go, okay, uh, the head of our business development, chief of business developments, that's how serious we take acquisitions, came to me and said, hey, what do you know about Plus Gummies? And I said, well, it's one of the original gummy brands, it's top five brand. Um, you know, I, I like their, uh, this is their 18 to one CBD. I'm kind of showing to the screen. I know this they're is showing us, but unfortunately the radio, yes, uh, not sure all over radio, it's lost a little on radio, but still uh, it is a good looking package. So right to left across your radio dial, uh, you yeah. the 18, 18 CBD, one THC. And I take that a few times a day as one of the ways that I adjust. So I, I knew them and I liked them. And, and so here's the way I looked at it. If we wanted to be a top four brand in edibles, how much time and how much money would it cost us? Right. Instead, right. 
they, because they probably shouldn't have been public because they were too small, they were bankrupt. And mm -hmm. so it allowed me, and remember, remember my whole thing about investor, I could use all stock. Now, mind you, I think our price is too cheap. Like, and I mean that about all the, the stocks in Canada. Right. So we're all <laughs> depressed right now, but so is theirs. So mm -hmm. on a relative basis, I thought it was, I thought it was good. It comes with a little bit of cash, comes with a team that knows how to make edibles. And, uh, and they already have consumers that like their brand. So all we, all we have to do is not, and I'm just going to go ahead and go off the rails from the G rating. Just don't fuck it up. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing. Okay. And in fact, try and build on. So I guess I'd tell you is I was able to use stock. I have a turnaround play. Um, and I, I'm already and a big, and an upside, obviously I'm, yeah, a, upside. I'm a number yeah. four brand and the goal right. is to obviously be number one. Yeah. And, um, and so to us, it felt right and it adds revenue. Theoretically, it adds EBITDA if we can actually, you know, we've got to execute on it, but that's, that's part of buying something that's distressed. But again, um, so to me, and then, and then by the way, comp it 25 million versus 300. And I'm in the state that you sort of want to be in. I, sure. I liked, I liked that deal all day long. And, and oh, so yeah. far the, uh, the comments I've heard from investors, public and private, both seem to think that you know, the buy was right. Now the, the other part that's now it's important happens. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately we reached that time. We, we've been talking to Kyle Kazan of Glasshouse Brands. Um, very interesting business. Uh, we've talked to some uh, vertical players on this show, but mm -hmm. uh, we're getting an interesting sort of a philosophical approach to it, which definitely less a lesson in discipline, basically buy well and, and, and then it'll go well from then. Which makes um, a lot of sense. Which obviously is easy to say. To I just said it. I've never done it in my life. Yeah. So I know it's it's not so easy to do. No, but obviously not. when you do and hit it right, it's a powerful, uh, it creates a powerful engine. Um, Kyle Kazan, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I encourage you all to go to glasshousebrands.com. Glasshousebrands.com. If you're lucky enough to live in California, check it out. Uh, check out their stores. Uh, otherwise, um, it definitely sounds like a company to... Um, keep an eye on and we're going to keep an eye on it and we're going to reach out to you uh you know a little bit of time and i know you'll have more fun uh news for us can i alert you to one thing that should alert be on away. the radar screen yeah and, and i'll be short on this when i was a teacher and i was a police officer everybody there was trying to build for their future maybe make some real money and they didn't know how to do dot coms and most got hit real estate and so i remember too many of those conversations in teachers lounges or over the hoods of cars and one of the things that's big to me is before all the big investment banks get into cannabis, federally legal, they're not really here. The quant traders are not here. All mm -hmm. those things that stack up against the average simple retail buyer is not here. So we're going to have Glasshouse Investor Fest in June at our Camarillo facility. Think of it as a wannabe Woodstock for uh, capitalists. But here it's like, all you need, and right now we're trading at about $5 and a penny on the OTC. All you got to do is own one share and you can come, you can talk to the entire C-suite. It's the way I think the public markets need to work, where you can actually go and, and invest in the company, learn about the company, and then you'll be able to even try the product and have some fun. So I don't know any other companies that are doing that, but our entire C-suite's excited. We want to be more transparent, not less. We want you to come out and see. So I hope I'll see both you guys. We don't have a well, date yet, on June. We'd love June, to June, come out to yeah. Glass House Investor Fest. Well, we'll check it out. We'd love um, to. We could do a show right from- uh, Right from the floor. 
Plenty of room. Um, 5.5 million go. square feet. 5.5. Yeah. We, we only need a million there. square feet. Uh, maybe a million and a half. Done. I, you know, you guys have a million. Done. <laughs> Easy. Anyway, thank you, Kyle, so much. Glasshouse yeah, Brands, so interesting, much, uh, super interesting story. And, um, and we will be back uh, with more of the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So welcome back to the business of cannabis. We are going out to the West Coast now in the Bay Area to talk to Danielle Walton and uh, Adrian Jones of Next Level. Uh, Adrian Jones is the CEO and uh, co-owner with Danielle, who handles all the marketing and sales and also the uh, investor relations. Uh, Danielle and Adrian uh, purchased uh, Next Level in November of 2019. So it'll be cool to hear the sort of the last couple of years of of going through what we all went through. Um, they both worked at Harborside, the famous Harborside uh, dispensary. For 10 years, Danielle was sales and brand development. Uh, Adrian was on the supply chain uh, side, um, but they got bored with that and started to take an pl entrepreneurial plunge. So um, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, thank you for having us. Yeah. So uh, let's start, you know, at the at the highest level. Give us an overview of Next Level's business and its business model, and sort of the clientele that you service. Sure. So um, we we were at Harborside for a very long time, and we really got to know the business and um, kind of how you how you run a retail and delivery operation. Um, so we decided to to build ourselves a very solid foundation, um, you know, get a good place, um, get a good menu, have good systems in play, you know, make sure we have cars, insurance, all those things. But we really wanted to do something different. Um, and starting in the beginning, we decided that we weren't going to carry kind of your average menu. Um, the, the reason basically in the cannabis industry, um, most of your sales are going to be flowers, vape pens, and pre-rolls and edibles. That's going to be like your right. 80 to 90% of your average retail store sales. Um, and extracts, which um, we decided to focus on for a typical retailer is about five to 10% of your sales. And so um, it's seen as kind of a niche, hard to capture market, right? Um, but we love extracts. And so we were like, let's, let's focus on that. Um, you know, there's, there, nobody else is focused on it. Everybody else is focused on, you know, the, the big 80 or 90%. And, um, basically we thought, you know, why not go niche? There's sure. hundreds of delivery services in Oakland. Um, and, and to be frank, we can't compete with ease on their discounts and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, but the good thing is ease doesn't sell the same right. products as us. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, so it's not relevant on, on some level. Right, exactly. So we really focused on, on particularly rosin 
which is the highest <laughs> the highest end category of extracts because that's what we like to dab. And um, you know, Danny, I'm sure if you look her up on Instagram, you can see she's a dabbing aficionado. <laughs> I had a big wedding where I said I do to a dad. Forbes covered it and I had a lot of media around it. And I also judge um, extracts for a lot of the competitions and the cups that are held here. And so oh, it just, it, you know, made sense to stay true to who we are and the products that we, you know, consumed as well and knew that there was a kind of a hole in the market for it. And we wanted to fill that void. Um, and be the ones to take that extra care in delivering the extracts. Since uh, your concentrates have to be stored in a certain way, certain temperature, and we deliver with ice packs, which kind of sets us uh, just aside from the other guys. Yeah, so quick follow-up there. Uh, so you guys, I know you're a delivery company, but you also carry products. Like, So you're not delivering for other dispensaries. You're, it's Correct. an online. Yeah, we've got a hub. It's just a warehouse with inventory in it. And right. we've got drivers and vehicles. And basically we're just a, it's called a non-storefront retail. So it's essentially sure. the same retail, but we, you can't come in. Um, we can only deliver to you yeah. um, per, you know, the regulations set out by the state. Right. Um, so, or we could do like an ice, ice cream truck model too, is where you have a certain amount of inventory yeah. and you so station park. around yeah. and, you yeah. know, you fill it as oh. they so is that so allowed? That's is that a California thing? I haven't heard about that. Yeah, oh, okay. it's a model you're allowed to use in here uh, here in California. Yeah, right. Um, so. Honestly, though, the way the regulations are set out, it's very difficult and not very profitable. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's not. Uh, some companies use it, some don't. Right, and more know. for events. And yeah, maybe you'd need I, a better analogy than the ice cream truck. <laughs> well, yeah, and they're working. I don't know. There's some now, that's, yeah. so right. The new regs that they have in place are not the best for that model, but who knows right. if they go through or not because they haven't been put, you know, they haven't been voted on quite yet. Gotcha. Right. So the next question is really, so it's kind of near and dear to my heart. I have two daughters. I have two sisters. Um, your company is female owned, which I think is awesome. And uh, you want to grow your business with women, which is what you've expressed, which I think is yeah. great. So yeah. what is your strategy to do that? And how are you going to attract more women to an industry, which let's be honest, is predominantly male? It is, but I don't know if you've seen in the new statistics is that the your new consumer who is leading the way is your Gen Z Women. female. And your Gen Z cool. female is actually yeah. spending just as much as your millennial male on their products and they're actually more open to concentrates. So right. I, we feel like the market is emerging, your consumer is emerging. And yes, we are definitely still in a male dominated um, you know, industry from consumers to as well as businesses. Um, and so I feel like we stay true to females and attracting females by um, supporting other women groups in the industry, like a uh, woman employed in cannabis is a good one, as well as attending events with other ladies. I mean, there's not, I think there's a conception that a lot of women don't want to get high. 
Um, yeah. and we, yeah. that's kind of the thing that Adrian and I are like, that's not true. There are females out there that want to get high. Okay. Sure. There's more of us than you would think. Yeah. We got really tired of all the women's yeah. product being, you know, CBD and it's, it's right. A, yeah. Right. Medicinal. Right. And like, that's great. Don't get me wrong. That's great. <laughs> Obviously. It's great for your right. menstrual cycle. Right. Right. Um, well, I'm not denying that, but also we want to be high. Right. <laughs> you we know? want to smoke what the guys are smoking. Why would we not want to smoke that? Just because we're, you know, females doesn't mean that we're not consuming good quality products as well. And so I feel like our marketing too is very, um, female based, even though we have a heavy male clientele, but all that being said, we, we do service mostly men. Um, we have a good amount of female clientele too. I feel like that's really interesting. Yeah. How do you balance that? Like, uh, give us some examples of your marketing and strategy. Give us some hard examples. And then how do you balance that? you obviously have to service your customers right. uh, and at the same time you're trying to grow maybe this other i mean right. it's silly to talk about women as another customer. vertical but or, or you know group of customers yeah it's really hard in cannabis mm-hmm. and so for i get you know i'm i feel like it's always a battle for me of what i'm going to get taken down on Instagram and what's not going to be taken down on Instagram. Um, and advertising is super hard, especially if you're a small, you know, delivery and you're self-funded and we don't have the, you know, big backing, like some of these deliveries like ease and amuse have, um, it can make marketing a little difficult. And so, um, you know, we rely on our social media. We, um, I feel like my marketing campaigns are actually very female oriented, very heavy on, you know, pink. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, if you take a look at our Instagram, you can totally tell that we are more of a female based company by our marketing and by our website. We promote often that we are female owned and run. Um, Adrian and I speak at events, you know, we're often in women's women's circles in the industry too, promoting our brands. And like I said, you know, so the phone call we get a lot is, (laughs) So is the girl going to deliver to me? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's not a bad thing. Yeah, um, but we, then there's a surprise when we get they we, have we, do we have, have male drivers. We have male yeah. drivers. Um <laughs> okay. and so um <laughs> yeah, I feel we like we have female drivers too. We have we have yeah, we have one. Yeah, Sometimes but, it's uh, uh it's a weird world we live in. We are talking to Adrian Jones and Daniel Walton of Next Level, uh, which is an online uh, uh, store, uh, cannabis store and uh, delivery service, uh serving in the Bay Area which let's, let's uh, jump on that. You focused geographically. Is that uh, uh, a strategy for the short term or is that a strategy for the long term? Um, and then talk us through how you'd like to develop that. Yeah, so right now being located in the Bay Area with our hub, we kind of have to focus here. You know, we can't drive, send drivers out, you know, um, on overnight routes without it getting kind of complicated and having to make them stop. And with the amount of inventory they're allowed to carry in the car, it's just completely not worth it. Um, We have to, the only thing that makes financial sense for us is to focus on our own backyard. And, um, which we cast a pretty wide, we do web around. Um, Yeah, the Bay Area is a large place. So North Bay, South Bay, we cover all the way to Santa Rosa and all the way down and even to Sacramento. So we go out of the Bay, but we don't go too much further than I'd say like 70 mile radius. So it would be the next move would be the next hub is what you're saying. 
Correct. Yeah. If you that if you were the uh, the investment uh, that we are trying to raise would okay. be to get that kind of money to that so that we're able to expand to other areas because we do a lot of direct to consumer shopping parts for brands. So if a brand wants more of a direct to consumer where they control the marketing and then we control the back end logistics and fulfillment of it, um, then that way we can kind of cast our web throughout the state and be able to offer more locations for our direct-to-consumer partners as well as for next level and bringing that model. Do you have a target? Like, do you, you know, where you, if I said, okay, here's X amount of dollars, where, where like, give us a feel for where you'd like to expect. Um, definitely SoCal. We would like to have a hub down in the Orange County, San Diego region, as well as, you know, Northern California, maybe a little bit further past Santa Rosa or past Sacramento so that we can kind of expand to the areas that really don't have access to good um, quality hash. Um, right. or the, okay. you know, there's just not a lot of dispensaries or delivery options that offer the type of menu that we offer. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's okay. a lot of counties. I'll, I'll start saving my money. Just <laughs> yeah. give me a, give me a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have to get a few more sponsors for the show. So okay, all right. I'll send them over the deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you think the, you know, kind of the delivery model is going to evolve over the next couple of years? I mean, you look at, you know, whether it be, you know, Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes, Yep. Uh, you know, I look at those as kind of comparables. So tell me how you see it kind of playing out and, you know, who's going to win in the end. And maybe it's well, you. I mean, I think that the reality is, is once um, federal legalization happens, a bunch of players are going to jump into the game. Right. And, um, you know, you were going to have, they're going to probably be focused on cheap stuff. They're probably going to be focused on the 80% that those other stores are focused on, you know, um, pre-rolls, flowers, uh, cheap right. edibles, you know, cheap ounces, stuff like that. And I think that if we can stay niche, we can continue to capture our niche customers, right? Like there are some mm -hmm. people right. who they have, right. they have their bougie coffee shop and it's near their house and that's the one they like and they don't want to go to Pete's and Starbucks. They want to go to their bougie yep. coffee shop. And How do you know Dave so well? Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm being attacked right now. <laughs> it's okay. And I'm feeling feel sensitive. Dave. I feel <laughs> so, but I mean, you, so you know exactly what I'm saying. So we right? know Adrian yeah. likes oh. garbage coffee oh. and Danielle has some great taste. In coffee, Dave is so. actually proving your point right <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I mean, and I'm a prime candidate in the way that I have everything delivered. So I'm a huge Instacart, right. caviar. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, I have everything, even Amazon, you know, Whole Foods and Fresh. Um, I feel like delivery is the new way for people, especially. Well, and let's face it, adjusted from COVID once, too. Yeah, but, and right. and once legalization happens, let's yeah. face it, to think that Amazon isn't going to enter the right. wheat delivery space is absurd. Of course they are. Yeah, right. They yeah. But maybe right. they want to partner with people like us to cover their well, niche market. State regulations maybe. will likely <laughs> right. them to, to yeah. partner with licensees. Right. right. And so, you know, who knows what that looks like? Well, that's right? an interesting to your, point. To your but point, though, yeah. to your point, like when Amazon enters the market, they're not going to want to enter the market and. Right you know, they're going to want to partner with people like right, you guys. Right, right, right. So maybe we'll be that partner on the boutique rosin side, you know, maybe they'll realize that. But I do feel like yeah. delivery is really going to be the way to go. And especially mm -hmm. for our consumer, our consumers always traditionally bought on the market 
delivery. Um, they're not someone who goes into your oh. retailer because they know what they want. They know the brands that they want. They are very specific on, you know, especially with like rosin. Um, there is quite a few select brands that really have the market share in this industry. And I feel like a lot of the people like they'll buy whatever they drop. It's like, they're just excited to see a new flavor from that company. Yeah, we call our customers like hash snobs. They're headies. <laughs> right, yeah. they're headies. Let me pop, follow up That's on that. we are. So. On the, uh, on the marketing side, yeah. which is sort of my focus, is uh, when I grew up, it was all about hash. It wasn't, it wasn't flour right. so much. And then hash kind of disappeared somehow with legalization. Obviously not disappeared, too strong a word. Can you account for that? And, and, and then also, who, give us some characteristics of this market of yours that you're going after, as opposed to, <laughs> yeah. why are well, you laughing? I, I want to talk about them a little bit okay. because Danny will say nicer things. I want to hear, yeah, I want to hear Adrian. I want to hear, I I hear Adrian. Oh my God, yeah. our customers are, are really rude. <laughs> um, we deal with that. Not all. I, no, you're right. Not all. There's one, one customer's not, yeah. Um, no, yeah. We have a lot of customers who, are, I guess the better word is them. They're just very particular difficult. and difficult and they want everything just right. And they're kind of a type A personality. And that's probably why they've become so obsessed with dabbing, right? Because they need to chill out. Right. And so when they don't have their dabs and they're trying to buy it from us, they get all wound up and crazy. And then they like scream at us like, where's my order? And then right. I drive to get there and then they'll call us like 15 minutes later and say how sorry they were for yelling at us because now they're high. You know, right. Like, yeah. Until know. the next time. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I take offense to this as a type. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, I don't know. If I'm, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> as a screamer. You literally describe me to a T. Right. <laughs> so, then, so then, yeah, you would do great with us. No, we get pretty used to it. And, yeah. and, and, um, like I say that, but we're actually still really nice to people. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we'll I be here it. soon, you know. And, um, but, you know, also what, you know, they're, they need the, they need the product more than anyone. Right. Right. And so then that, that's why we give everyone a break for, and for being particular. we're the people that want to provide it and we're mm -hmm. the ones that consume it. We want to make sure that they're happy. They are particular. Yeah. We'll forgive um, you even. If we'll you forgive you. Right. Yeah. You know, the yeah. concentrate market is growing and you're starting to see as a, you know, I've been saying this for many years being in the industry is, is that yes, you saw hash very heavily finger hash in the water hash and the pool melts back, you know, prior to legalization. I want to get back to your question on why it is kind of taken a while for it to build this way. I would have to say is due to licensing and having to get their facilities built out to spec and to what the California market's going to need. And it's really hard with permitting and inspections and everything. And so yeah. often things are delayed. You need to have sprinklers you need to have a you know handicap accessible bathroom in an area yeah, where you may say cost is the biggest thing. it's the cost um, because right. getting transitioning to a legal market right from like when you make hash in the in the traditional market your margins can be huge right in the legal market they're going to be terrible and that and then it comes down to cultivation and if you have a partner right. farm because specifically for rosin you really need to have certain genetics that create a certain yield because not everything will wash correctly and so mm. not 
there's that's why there's not that many people in the space as much as there are edibles extracts uh right they they might have washed the wrong strain and lost everything or they don't have the technique or they don't have the skills the skills to be producing it's not you know super easy of a product to produce right um and so now you're seeing more and more purveyors coming on board with licensing and also more equipment that is designed for these purveyors um, and so that's where I feel like you're seeing a lot of the market change and concentrates are coming back in. Also, just as the user kind of starts off, you know, they may start off with like a distillate and then they're going to find, you know, it's kind of, we'll go back to the uh, niche coffee or craft market is that, mm-hmm. you know, you try you're like Dunkin' Donuts coffee and you're like, okay, everyone loves it, but it's just like, meh. And then you go to- Yeah, you try something else. Yeah, something right? and then you go to like a yeah. craft coffee shop and you're going to have like really good purveyors of beans and coffee and genetics too on the different varietals of coffee beans that you have offered and that the way that they're extracting that coffee sure. bean, right? Sure. Whether it's from steam, water, whatever. Yeah, and once you've had the good stuff, it can be hard to It can be back. hard to go back. And of course. So um that Maybe really you start to see your user never have dunkin donuts well especially when you're putting something in your body correct you want correct. a particular and you experience yourself and then and you, you educate find yourself out, right Absolutely. that made with x amount of chemicals where when you go to a solvent list basis that that's like your, your purest form and most natural form of hash and honestly i mean if we smoke flour it's great but you really want the trichromes and the resin off of those leaves and that's what gives you and creates you know the effects is the terpenes and the mm-hmm. the trichromes and that's really what hash is is it's extracting those heads and those terpenes and making a product that it's purest form right yeah we have enjoyed our conversation with adrian jones and daniel walton of a next level uh a very interesting uh delivery and on-store uh cannabis company in the Bay Area. So if you're out in that region, I uh, and definitely if you want to dab <laughs> or get any <laughs> concentrates, they're the ones that they're I one. picked up on. Uh, <laughs> I'm a good listener. No, it's a great model. And I love, I love folk when I hear a company that's focused, they know what they want to do and they're doing it. Uh, and that's probably why you've been able to thrive and grow in a very competitive market. Obviously, like you alluded to, there's, there's no shortage of delivery companies. Right. But uh, it sounds like you're building and better to build in an industry that has growth potential for sure. So I really uh, thank you for sharing that story. That was that was great. Thank um, you for having us. Our, our pleasure, and and we will be back uh, with more of the business of cannabis. the business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers, cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more.
So welcome back to the business of cannabis. Kyle Kazan of Glasshouse Brands. We also talked to Daniel Walton and Adrian Jones of Next Level Delivery. Such variety. I, I was struck after uh, listening uh, to them uh, speak um, and explaining their businesses and their, their value prop and their, their perceived competitive advantages and so on. But the variety of this industry, the variety of the cannabis space and also the simplicity of it. Um, focus on your customer, uh, see an opportunity, deliver the product. Um, it's sort of the definition of cannabis on some level, a complexity and simplicity. Uh, it's a plant, it has certain properties uh, that people uh, and consumers enjoy, uh, but they can enjoy it in so many different ways, uh, in so many different areas, um, in different levels. I found um, Kyle Kazan's vision interesting from this perspective. The the it's it's a big vision. It's it's to to create that kind of enormous capacity is a real strong play. Whether it's right or not is is what I you know is what I'm thinking about. Uh, it's it's a way of future proofing. So maybe California doesn't need a 5 million square foot greenhouse, but United States might. But when does that happen? I don't know. Uh, is it in two years? He's a genius. Is it five years? He's still smart. If it's 50 years, maybe it's premature. Uh, it's anyone's guess. But people out there listening to this you know, probably have to start thinking, how do I compete with that? Um, what do I have to worry about? You know, um, people, people seem to create businesses in cannabis for growth. That's their mentality, grow. We are going to get bigger and, and we're going to get a lot bigger and we're going to get a lot bigger in a relatively short period of time. So they prepare for success, but they don't necessarily prepare in the same way for competition and for uh, problems and for differentiation. So you hear, you're, if you're in California and, and you're a grower or you're somewhere on the supply chain, even a dispensary, and, and you hear about this operation that maybe takes some time to come into fruition but is starting to roll, um, how do you change? How do you adapt, if at all? Uh, because what if eventually the Glasshouse Brands is Amazon in their power and their ability to produce at a very low cost, very powerful product. Um, you know, who, who does that change who your customer is or who you are as a, as a business? Um, you know, it's easy to express what you want. Uh, it's hard to figure out what the customer wants. And so Glasshouse Brands is, is, a, is, is gambling that that's what their customers want. Cannabis as a commodity produced at scale. Um, and if it's true, increasingly, because obviously it's true on some level, but if it's true increasingly as we move forward, they're going to be a very major player. Um, how do you, how, and then how are you going to play in that, in that sandbox is, is going to be an interesting, I'm sure, that, and a lot of you are out there thinking, hmm, how, how am I going to play in that? Even if it's not now, today, in a year or two or three, it's coming. 
And if it's not coming, are you gambling that way? Is that what your strategy is? And then flip it around to uh, when we talk to Danielle and Adrian at Next Level. Um, you know, they've, they've identified uh, an opportunity in a small area um, in the Bay Area, and then maybe they replicate it, but also localized sort of delivery. Um, and they also have, have analyzed or, 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 or see this opportunity in hash-related products for women. Um, and if they're right, they're gonna have this tremendous advantage. They're gonna have this tremendous connection. So fascinating. If they're not right, it's problematic. They're, because um, it's not, again, what they want, it's what their customers want. And if women are receptive to this, um, they could make some real inroads. And, and once they create that connection to the customer, it's not so simple just because you're big to say, come, come to me. They, they've already have that relationship um, for the first in advantage. Flip side is, is, is whether those relationships can be, can be created. Um, I, was, I was impressed by the, uh, I love a, a business that says, this is who we are, this is where we're about, this is what we're gonna try to do. That has an opportunity for success. You talk to other people and it's, it's a more ambiguous um, planning. It's, it's, uh, it's words without seeing how that can actually happen. Then you then you kind of go okay. I'm not sure you're going to survive. I think these this next level could could be very successful, um, even staying in that focus of the Bay Area, uh, which is plenty big enough for them. Interesting show. This was one of the more interesting shows because of because of the the different types of people, two completely different visions, almost nothing related other than this fascinating industry and this fascinating plant that is complex enough to give rise to two quite disparate businesses. But that's all the time we have. I'd love to chat, uh, you know, muse a bit more, um, but I need to uh, say goodbye and thank you uh, to all our listeners. Um, thank you, uh, Kyle Kazan of Glasshouse Brands and Daniel Walton and Adrian Jones of Next Level Delivery for making the time to chat with us. Um, we will be back. Thank, oh, finally, uh, thank you to our sponsor, Cash Tech Currency Products. Uh, go to uh, cashtechcurrency.com, uh, check them out. Uh, we appreciate all that they do to allow us to bring these business stories uh, to you every week. And next week, we will have more uh, business stories here on the Business of Capital.